But if you say, no, I'm actually taking $20,000 out as a lump sum, then you're really what you're doing is saying I'm doing a part commutation of 20000 and then I'm withdrawing it as it's, okay. it's like two-step process. Your deductibility of your expenses first comes back to your Income Tax Assessment Act of, well, what is deductible under tax law? On the Superfund lookup, turn off the complying status of the fund. Doesn't mean your fund's non-complying, just means it's not compliant for the purposes of the receipt of contributions, rollovers, those sorts of things. You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast. Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 225 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In this episode, Cassie Evans, an SMSF specialist and partner at Findex in Albury. In this episode, Cassie Evans answers three SMSF questions. Three questions about commutations, the deductibility of SMSF expenses and the super lookup feature. Question number one, commutations and lump sums. Commutation is basically just when you move a certain balance from pension back to accumulation. Correct. It might then be paid out or it might not be paid out, but a commutation is always pension back to accumulation. Yeah, it's effectively stopping, ceasing, whatever word, commuting the whole lot, whatever portion it is that has been chosen, yeah, back from a pension account into an accumulation account. So it's not moving it outside the super environment. It's simply transferring it. You know, I mentioned before about an SMSF, you know, one of the benefits is you can run an accumulation account and a pension account side by side. And so you have that ability based on instructions of the members to move, you know, I, I want to move money from my accumulation account into my pension or vice versa. I want to stop commute money out of my pension into my accumulation. We saw a lot of that happen when the super reforms came in on 30th of June 2017 because anyone who had a balance over $1.6 million had to commute the excess back from their pension account to their accumulation account. And once you meet a condition of release, you can take money out of pension, you can take money out of accumulation. It's completely up to you. The only onus is that you withdraw at least the minimum pension payments from the pension, but above that... You probably should take the rest out of accumulation so that you don't deplete your pension account more than you need to. Yeah, that, that's a, a pretty sensible strategy. The other piece probably to understand there is if you are taking money out of an accumulation account, you actually have to ensure there is lump sum paperwork prepared for that to report that it's it's a lump sum and it's coming out of my accumulation account. Whereas a pension, you know, let's say your minimum pension is $100,000 a year, you can draw that out as often as you want. You can draw it in one lump sum. You can draw it every month, every day. But if you are taking amounts out of your accumulation account, there's reporting that has to be done around the lump sum. That's a very good point. When out of a pension account, the payments that come out of a pension account can be a pension payment or it can be a lump sum withdrawal. Yep. Whereas when you take something out of accumulation, it's always lump sum. Always lump sum. And any time, so good, good point around your lump sum out of pension as well, any time you take a lump sum out of super, whether it be out of your accumulation account or out of a pension account, there's reporting required to be done. And in fact, if it's 
a lump sum out of your pension account, there's um, T-bar impacts of that as well. A lump sum, when I'm saying lump sum... You if, mean commutation? No, no. Okay, sorry. What I mean, if so if we're talking pension account, if my minimum pension's 100000 and I take one amount of 100000 that's not a lump sum. That's a pension payment. It's just one pension payment of 100000 But if I say I want to take extra out of my pension and I actually want it reported as a lump sum out of a pension account, that is effectively a two-step process. It is a commutation or a part oh, commutation and then a lump sum withdrawal. So there's T-bar reporting, there's lump sum reporting, whatever to be done. Okay. If you're just taking your pension payments, whether it's your minimum or more. Yeah, and it could just be one pension it payment. It could be one amount, so it could mm. be a large amount. Let's not call it a lump sum but a large amount. Mm. They're just pension amounts. If you want an amount that you're taking out, let's say you take $20,000 out of your pension account and you say, I want that reported as a lump sum, that is a part commutation. Okay. Every lump sum you take out of a pension account is a commutation. commutation. Okay. So there's basically two ways you can do a commutation. One is you can simply say I'm stopping X amount of my pension account and putting it back into my accumulation. That's just a commutation. T-bar reporting required because anything you do on a pension account, whether you start a new pension or stop a pension, is a T-bar reporting event. But that's not a lump sum. That's simply saying I'm moving it out of my pension account and I'm putting it into my accumulation account and I'm leaving it sit there. But if you say, no, I'm actually taking $20,000 out as a lump sum, then you're really what you're doing is saying I'm doing a part commutation of $20,000 and then I'm withdrawing it as it's, okay. it's like I'm with a two-step process. I see. I'm with you. Yeah. So when we move something just from pension to accumulation but no money actually yep. leaves the fund, then we just call it That's a commutation. That's a commutation T-bar reporting required. Yes. Yeah. But when we take something, when, when we take a lump sum out of pension, then it's actually a commutation to accumulation but then it's paid out. Yeah. I mean, for the purpose of the person doing it, they go into their bank and go, I'm transferring $20,000 out of my bank account to my personal account. It's the reporting. So that's a part commutation out of my pension into and, and then out as a lump sum. Or is it just a straight lump sum out of my accumulation account because I've got full access to both? And that's where it's important to understand and get the reporting right. If it's a, just a lump sum out of accumulation, there's no T-bar reporting required on that. There's only T-bar reporting required if it's an impact on your pension. Sorry to say this one more time. I'm I'm slow in the uptake. You can have a lump sum out of accumulation and you can have a lump sum out of pension. Yep. If it's a lump sum out of pension, you always have a commutation back to accumulation and then a payment out of in accumulation. In effect, yeah. The in paperwork effect. would reflect that's what you've done. Yes. Part commutation, lump sum. Otherwise, it's just a pension payment. But that's good because I always wondered what the difference is between pension payment and lump sum because yeah. sometimes you just have one pension payment, yeah. as you mentioned. Yeah, and that's why it's the terminology can be confusing. Maybe call it a large pension amount, not a lump sum, because a lump sum to me is I'm taking a non-pension amount out of my super fund. There's one other thing I wanted to ask you, and that is about whether it can be in specie or in cash. A lump sum payment can be in in specie. Yes. Whereas a pension payment can't. Correct. Correct. And it could also be in specie when it comes from the pension account, commuted to accumulation and then taking out. You would actually have to report it that way. Yeah. 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 But a pension payment by law must be cash. So if you transfer assets out, and I've had people do this, go, oh, I took that, that's my pension payment, I took those assets. That never satisfies so your minimum, minimum pension, pension payment. Correct. That means you need to take more cash out. Correct. 
Okay, so commutation always affects your TBA. If it's a lump sum payment, be taken in specie or in cash. Yep. One important point, I think, is it needs to be asked for and granted before payment or before you do all this. Yep. So I can imagine that is a that is a stepping stone that many fall over in practice that you actually should have documented all this before you do the commutation. Yep. yep. So we talk to our clients regularly and say, you need to be aware that you need to tell us in advance of these events or as a minimum at the time of the events. So pension payments, you can just lock into your bank account and transfer money. Correct. But when it's, no, hold on. Pension payments, taken out whenever you want. Don't need to tell us. When we get to the end of the year and we're processing the financial statements for a super fund and we see all these amounts, drawings, 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 whatever, unless we've been told along the way, we have no choice but to report those as pension payments. So you imagine if you have a client who has an accumulation account and a pension account, if they draw more than their minimum and they haven't told us and we haven't done the reporting, then it's reducing their pension account. We regularly have conversations with clients, tell us when you're doing it, particularly when you're taking larger amounts, and our clients are pretty good at doing that. The other piece that we've done is in conjunction with the legal advisors that I spoke about earlier, we've actually put documentation in place where people can instruct the fund on a go-forward basis which effectively says if I'm drawing over and above my minimum pension, I am instructing you that anything over and above that is a lump sum. That's so it's instructions in advance and it's on a go-forward basis until they say, no, that's not my instructions anymore. Mm. So this way you make sure that you never deplete your pension account more than by the minimum pension Correct. payment. Correct. And that everything so adds yeah, to the commutation. Yeah, that's a strategy we work through with our, our legal advisors and that documentation has been put in place on a lot of our clients. I just had my light bulb moment. I had always been shaky on this and I finally understood it. If you already are well versed in the differences between commutation pension and lump sum payments, please fast forward because, because you must already been bored to wits. But if you have been as shaky on this as me, then please bear with me. Let's just go through it one more time. So there are commutations, pensions, and lump sum payments. And commutations is just moving funds from pension back into accumulation. It's like an internal transfer. It's not a payment. No cash leaves the super environment. And a commutation reduces your TBA. That's good. It gives you more cap space. But it also means that you need to include it in your next T-bar reporting. And that's not so good because T-bar reporting is a hassle. So that's commutation, just an internal transfer. Then you have pension and lump sum payments. And as you know, they are actually payments. They move cash out of super. And the two might look the same when done in cash. But they are completely different kettles of fish. A pension payment comes out of your pension account, counts towards your minimum pension payment, doesn't reduce your TBA, and hence doesn't need to be included in your TBA. A lump sum does the exact opposite. So a lump sum payment is different to a pension payment in five ways. A lump sum payment comes out of accumulation while a pension payment comes out of pension. And hold on a minute, you might say, doesn't a lump sum payment also come out of pension? And yes, that's the way we talk. And that actually is one of the major reasons why I got so confused about this. But what it actually is, is a lump sum payment always comes out of accumulation. When it comes out of pension, so to speak, what happens is you commute the amount from pension back into accumulation and then you make a lump sum payment. So pure 
strictly technically speaking, a lump sum payment always comes out of accumulation. So that's the first difference to a pension payment. The second one is that your lump sum doesn't count towards your minimum pension payment, while a pension payment obviously does. A lump sum might reduce your TBA when it happens in relation with the commutation, while a pension payment never even goes near your TBA. Your pension payment has nothing to do with your TBA. The fourth difference is that a lump sum payment can be done in cash, but it also can be done in specie, while a pension payment is always in cash. And the fifth difference is a lump sum payment requires documentation before payment. While a pension doesn't, a pension you can just always just access the cash whenever you want it. A very common strategy is to recognize payments up to the minimum pension payments as pension payments and then to treat any excess as a lump sum. But you need to document this before you actually make a lump sum payment. If you don't, the payment is treated as a pension payment by default. And yes, you could backdate the relevant documentation, but that is a slippery slope on the wrong side of the law. But you don't even have to resort to those dubious measures. You can just state in your deed that any payments above the minimum are lump sum payments. This way, you can't have payments earmarked as lump sums being treated as default pension payments just because the documentation is missing, because you already have the documentation well set up in your deed. I thought that was a very good advice from Kathy. So that was the first question. Here comes the next one. Question number two, deductibility of expenses with an SMSF. Deductibility of SMSF expenses. Mm -hmm. My rough understanding is any expenses that relate directly to an investment are deductible. And of course, this question is only relevant when the fund is in accumulation, when the fund is in pension. It doesn't really matter so much what's deductible and what's not deductible. Yeah, I think my high level answer to this one would be your deductibility of your expenses first comes back to your Income Tax Assessment Act of well, what is deductible under tax law. Then when you start to look into your SMSF, I think I'd generally look at it and say, if the expenses are relating to the income earning of the fund or the day-to-day -day running of the fund, so your annual accounting fee, your auditor fee, the tax office lodgement fee, so they're not directly related to a specific investment, but they're related to the running of the fund. So they're all deductible. Costs to, say, expenses incurred in earning non-taxable income, which again, under normal tax law, wouldn't be deductible, they're not deductible. If there might be a set up legal costs, so you set up a new fund, your costs of setting up the new deed are a capital cost, not a, a deductible. You do a borrowing, you have borrowing costs, then you write them off under the normal borrowing cost provision. So a lot of it ties back into the actual Tax Act, not so much the CIS legislation. But then, as you rightly said, it then comes down to that's nice and easy while I'm a full accumulation fund. What happens when I'm either a full or a part pension fund? And then you move then into what's called the exempt current pension income regime. And effectively, if your fund's 100% pension and your income is therefore 100% exempt, your expenses are also 100% non-deductible in effect. If you're part part, we then get an actuarial certificate. And then we get an ECPI ratio. A ratio. And so that portion of your income is non-assessable and a portion of your expenses are non-deductible. 
So it, it's again, it's horses for courses, case by case. That portion of your expenses that would have been deductible are now not deductible. Yeah, and there's a calculation. It's not as straightforward as that, but as a high level, that's sort of the theory of how it works is that 100% accumulation, then your deductible expenses are 100% deductible. Yeah. 100% pension, then none of your expenses are deductible because you've got no taxable income anyway. Yes. So yeah. who really cares? If you're in the middle, and we would have a lot of clients that are in the middle where they're a mix of accumulation and pension, then effectively where you will end up is part of your income will be assessable and part of your expenses will be deductible. Yeah. And one comment, when you have a structure where the bucket company lends to a member through a Division 7A agreement and then the member lends to the SMSF as an LRBA, you know, when you basically use the bucket company to provide funds to an SMSF, you often yep. go through another entity so that you don't have Division 7A and LRBA in, in yep. one document. Yep. I'll, I'll believe you on that. I'm not a Division 7A expert. Yep. But when you do this, then the Division 7A agreement is not, the cost for the D Division 7A agreements is not deductible because it has nothing to do with the that, SMSF. That would be my position on it. And yep. then you can only tax deduct or you can only consider the tax deductibility of the cost and of the LRBA from the member to the fund. To the so the interest on the on the fund, the, the borrowing setup costs, you might be able to write them off over your five years. Yeah, it just becomes it's a sort of a line that says, right, this becomes my SMSF expense now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. So there are two sets of rules, the general rule in Section 8-1 and specific rules. Most expenses fall under the general rule. And for these, you have the easy rule of thumb that whatever portion of your income is exempt, that portion of your expenses is also not deductible. So all in accumulation means all deductible, all in pension means non-deductible. And when you have a mix of pension and accumulation, you apportion the expenses based on your ECPI percentage. But to the extent that expenses fall under a specific rule, this specific rule will govern to what extent expenses require apportioning. The supervisory level, for example, is fully deductible thanks to a specific rule. It's fully deductible no matter your ECPI percentage. So that was the second question. And here comes the third. Can I ask you one last question? Sure. But it will be a very quick one. Question number three. SMSF lookup. Superfund lookup. Yes. How is that relevant? My basic understanding is that when you stop being compliant, yep. the ATO tells the Superfund lookup and then you no longer appear and then employer contributions, for example, can no longer go into your SMSF. Yep. So that's a fairly new one. And again, I don't think I brought it with me, but I, I actually did a, an article on that recently as well. I haven't bought that one. So I think it kicked in from 1st of October where the ATO have been chasing for many years to get Superfund lodgements up to date, and as they should be. And I think they felt, well, this is another step we can take to try and get people to do that and see how serious it is. So, yes, if, if basically at that point, if you have a tax return that is overdue, I think it's by more than two weeks or something, that they would, on the Superfund lookup, turn off the complying status of the fund. doesn't mean your fund's non-complying, just means it's not complying for the purposes of the receipt of contributions, rollovers, those sorts of things. So what we're now finding um, with clients that are in that situation is we're now getting lots of phone calls going, oh, 
I can't, my employer can't pay my contributions in. Or we had one recently where I can't get a rollover from my industry fund and I want that money to buy a property. I'm going, well, we've been talking to you for two years about getting your accounts up to date. That's why you can't do it. So it is actually getting a bit of activity happening, which is good. Generally how that will work is then if the trustees bring the lodgements up to date, once they are all lodged with the ATO, I think it takes maybe about a month and then the way I understand it is then it will come back up onto that complying piece again. So it's it's really just another tool in the ATO tool bag to say get your lodgements up to date and it's all around lodgements, that's all it is. But, yes, it impacts receipted contributions, rollovers, and it can also even impact being able to, you know, do some investment transactions, so buying and selling shares and whatnot. I've had clients where they've rang up and said, my broker said I can't do this because they can't see my fund on the lookup. Well, get your fund up to date. Welcome back. Next week on Monday in episode 226, Edmund Tedris of the Australian Financial Review We'll talk about the AFI list of the uh, top 100 accounting firms. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday next week, Bob Deutsch, who you know, Senior Tax Counsel of the Tax Institute, will talk about the COMEX scandal as well as international tax. And I also want to ask Bob about the uh, tax summit in Sydney from the 11th to 13th of March. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Klaus for the support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.